Welcome to New Testament Topics with Brother Elliot Maloney, a Benedictine monk and professor of New Testament studies at St. Vincent's Seminary, Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Hello, this is Brother Elliot. This two-part podcast is going to be turning into a four-part one, as I find that there's so much really to talk about when we try to imagine what Jesus was thinking. So this is part three. What was Jesus thinking? We outlined in part two the actions of Jesus uh, at the Last Supper, but now I think we want to unpack them one by one and explain what, what we think Jesus had in mind when he performed them. So our first point, as you recall, was that Jesus knew that after his prophetic act, when he overturned the tables and made his bold statements in the temple, the religious leaders certainly would try in deadly earnest to get rid of him. He believed that like the actions of the prophets before him, his acts, however, were powered by God's will to set in motion God's further action in the coming of the kingdom. So Jesus wanted to warn his disciples that he must die, but at the same time to assure them of his unswerving belief in God's power to vindicate him. This was a very difficult thing to do, and so to do it, he convened a special Passover meal. Luke tells us that Jesus explained this before the meal in an enigmatic way. He said, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you that I will not eat it again. And then he just adds, And I shall not partake of the fruit of the vine again until the kingdom comes. The part about the wine is repeated also in Mark and Matthew. Now, it was a common place in the Jewish theology that the day of the Lord, God's final act of salvation for Israel, that final act would be celebrated by a glorious meal. We often call it the Messianic Banquet. For example, we hear of it in the prophet Isaiah 25. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will provide for all people a feast of rich food and choice wines, rich, juicy food, and pure, choice wines. But then Isaiah goes on in verse 9 to, to, to describe the effects of God's actions. He says, God will destroy death forever. The reproach of his people, of course that's their sin, God will remove from the whole earth, and they will say, the Lord has saved us. End of quote. Thus we can say that Jesus first of all performs the Last Supper to prefigure his belief in the successful fulfillment of God's plan on the last day confirming the coming of the kingdom of God in glory 
with its banquet of final salvation for all. Yet, he, since he chooses a Passover meal as the stage for what he will do, what he will explain, he is clearly aligning his actions with the first Passover and its exodus from Egypt. Now, prophets spoke of a new exodus of Israel from oppressive power, based squarely on the power of God's covenant. For example, just after Zechariah proclaims the future king will arrive humbly on a donkey, the words of God continue, As for you, Israel, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set prisoners free from the pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. This day I declare that I will restore to you double the new exodus. Now, a second reason for the supper was that we outlined above was that Jesus wanted to give himself to his disciples to be present with them even after his death to nourish them spiritually until the fullness of God's kingdom should arrive. So, at the meal, he first takes bread, the unleavened bread, just as in a modern Jewish uh, Passover Seder service, takes the, the, the leader takes the uh, bread, and as leader of the feast, explains the events quite vividly to make them present in the hearts and minds of the participants. But Jesus here expands the meaning of the sacred meal. He adds new significance for its unleavened bread. Instead of calling it the bread of affliction, as in the directions for the celebration given in Deuteronomy 16, he identifies the bread as his body. Yes, in anticipation of the events of the next few days, of his upcoming suffering and death, Jesus breaks the bread and in his prayer over it says, This is my body. Now, one's body refers to human life of a person in the same way that, for example, St. Paul uses it in Romans 12.1. He says, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is a Semitic way of speaking that obviously means offer your lives as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. So, at the Last Supper, Jesus is offering himself with this meaning. This bread is myself, my whole life which I give to you. The broken bread symbolizes his death, wherein Jesus gives his life, quote, to replace the Passover lamb, as Joseph Fitzmaier says. He gives uh, the bread to symbolize the replacement of the Passover lamb, quote, as the sign of the way God's kingdom will be realized from now on. 
by doing this Jesus acknowledges his upcoming absence from the community because of his death but gives them in ritual this bread a sign of sustenance bread after all is food he gives them this sign to mark his continued presence with them to nourish them in this way until he can be fully with them again in the heavenly banquet the point I think becomes perfectly clear but only after the resurrection in the Emmaus story where Jesus seeming to be a stranger walking with the disciples is recognized as present in the breaking of the bread you can read that in Luke chapter 24 verse 35 all right now to our third point on the meaning of the Last Supper of Jesus actions Jesus takes uh, a cup of wine now we point out that Jesus was not content just to rededicate the rituals bread here but in another act a separate act quite separate from the bread actually after the lamb was eaten Jesus consecrated a cup of red wine the Passover's cup of blessing he used the exact words that Exodus 24 8 says that Moses spoke over the blood of the sacrifice that ratified the covenant of the first Exodus quote Moses took the blood and splashed it on the people saying this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you so Jesus proclaims this is my blood of the covenant adding which will be shed for many in mark 14 24 he means by this that God has integrated his upcoming bloody death into the plan of salvation for Israel all God's covenant partners are included in this renewal in the covenant that will be ratified in Jesus blood and Jesus says it will be shed for many namely those who partake of it will be all Jews or Gentiles the Pauline and Lucan traditions emphasize the renewal of the covenant with God with an added nuance from the prophet Jeremiah he said see the days are coming oracle of the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah I will place my law within them and write it upon their hearts everyone shall know me for I will forgive their iniquity and no longer remember their sin here Jesus does not replace the Sinai covenant he fulfills it just as predicted by Jeremiah the prophet he was not instituting a new covenant to supersede the ancient one given in the Exodus but Jesus new covenant is a new exodus from slavery to evil power it was new in the sense 
that all nations now will be embraced in God's covenant. Jesus was fulfilling an old memory with a new action, one that finally brings to reality God's ancient promise to Abraham, which I quote, in you all the families of the earth will find a blessing. Genesis 12, 3. The final point that we outlined about the Last Supper ritual that has become our Eucharistic celebration is that Jesus performed this ritual with bread and wine as his body and blood to be a sacrifice for the redemption of all in his death. And so to the very short mark and form of Jesus' words, this is my body, the tradition, followed by Paul and Luke, wanted to fill out the meaning in this way by adding the words, for you. This is my body for you. And Luke's text even says, this is my body given for you, making it explicit. Now, to give one's body, that is one's life for others, is an ancient theme in Jewish theology. For example, in the story of the Maccabees, the martyr Eleazar says, listen to what he says, I give up my body and my life, appealing to God to show mercy to our nation, appealing for mercy from God. Similarly, the suffering servant of Isaiah uh, gives up his life to God, and God says, my servant, this just one, shall justify the many. Their iniquity he shall bear, because he gave himself over to death. He bore the sins of many. Isaiah 53, 11 and 12. Now, in the Hebrew religion, sin could only be remitted by blood. Blood for them was life not just the symbol of life, but actually in some way an embodied life. So the expiatory blood of a sacrificial victim, a lamb or a calf or a bull, was needed in their ritual to expiate or to atone for sin. Thus, of seven martyred sons, the application is made now to the human life, the human blood being poured out, as a way of expiation or a way of taking care of sin. The sacred writer in Maccabees says, the martyrs have become a ransom for the sin of our nation and through the blood of those devout ones and their death as expiation, divine providence preserved afflicted Israel. Now that's in the fourth book of Maccabees, chapter 17. Well, the church's Eucharist celebrates then the death of Jesus, of which he spoke at the Last Supper, as an act in which God forgives the sins of all. The theological point is made most explicit by Matthew's tradition, in of Jesus' words over the cup when he puts it all together and says, Jesus says, this is my blood 
of the covenant which will be shed in behalf of many for the forgiveness of sins. Now I hope that as we continue with these thoughts, we can understand our sacred celebration of the Eucharist better, not by trying to replace our traditional theology with these historical considerations, but by allowing them to enhance our belief in the real presence of the risen Jesus in our midst, in our true sacramental participation in God's covenant, and finally, in the efficacy of Jesus' Last Supper to bring about the remission of sins. For as St. Paul reminds us, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is Brother Elliot Maloney. Thanks for listening in today. See you again on New Testament Topics with Brother Elliot.